Will you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4? We're just going to read a few verses and then we're going to take it just slowly but steadily and see how we get on. Time is marching on and we want to just bring you as the Lord would lead us on this this morning. We're going back to our series which we haven't had in those weeks also, Sword Fencing with the Devil. And this is part four. If you've missed the other parts, you'll not um, need to worry for this morning be moving a different direction with it. But we won't do a big recap on it because we just take it too long. Could I say, while you're looking that up, Thursday we had a beautiful wedding here. Um, Mark and Claire got married and the place was, you'll see some of the flowers are still here. Um, and um, the place was just beautifully decorated and it was just lovely. We had a great day all around, so keep the couple in your prayers. And, you know, we are sad as, in a sense, I know they'll be in and out, but we are sad in a sense to lose clarity or to our new husband's church, maybe, or wherever. But, you know, pray for them that the Lord will bless them wherever they go and the Lord will keep his hand upon them. Let's just read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's pray. Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you our Father for the privilege and for the honor that is ours. We ask you now, Lord, to shut us in. Our minds may wander and things which have assailed us may cause us to drift. But we pray, O oh God, you'd help us to have attention. And Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you already. You've been moving and speaking in this meeting. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray now, Lord, that you would continue with us and speak through thine own word. Glorify your son. Lord, those who are ill this morning and aren't with us and those who are away this morning, maybe on holiday or away for a break, we pray you'd bless them, encourage them and strengthen them wherever they are. But for this company, all who will watch even live or later online, Father, we pray that you would bless them too through your own precious word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sword fencing with the devil. Now we've looked at it, we'll not do a big recap, but we're told the scriptures are the sword of the Spirit, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we're sword fencing. And in the wilderness, Jesus has driven, we've looked at it, we'll not go through it again, and led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted off the devil. And, you know, we always tend to think, well, if the Spirit's in the midst, then there, it's always going to be hearts and flowers and candy floss and blessings, and let's all sail down the river in a little boat and paddle and soak ourselves in the sun. And that's not the way it is at all. As soon as a man or a woman are in touch with God or God is in touch with them, the devil wants to break that off. The devil wants to hinder it and he wants to stop it. But it's how you and I learn to use our weapons of warfare. Here the sword of the Spirit is the word of God and it's how we use and wield the word of God is how we'll get through every circumstance and every situation. Look, as everyone in here, every one of us either have been through a trial or about to go into a trial that we know not of, or maybe you've just come out of a trial. 
Either way, we always need to know because we're always going to go through another one. And it's learning the word, having the word residing, dwelling and abiding in us that will matter. Hopefully we'll look at it this morning. If not, God willing, maybe next week. The Lord Jesus is taken by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. Now, God didn't tempt him. Notice that. The devil tempted him. God tempts no man. God tests man. The devil tempts man. So God maybe has just given you a test this morning, this while back, this season, this period, to see how you fare in your faith, in your proclamations to him. What your proclamation is, Lord, I'll do anything. Lord, we are ready. Lord, I'll step out. Lord, I'm going to do for you. And the Lord says, then let's try it. And the Spirit takes you to a place and the devil may come to tempt you. And that's how you deal with that. And it's the Word of God that strengthens us in that and through that and how we cope with it. And many of us, look, we all have our wobbles, don't we? Every one of us, including this man, we all have our wobbles, our knees buckle from time to time. Our spiritual knees buckle. And so the Lord Jesus is taken into the wilderness and we looked at spiritually speaking, things are spiritual. Now from here on in, there's a spiritual element to the temptation of Christ. And there's always a spiritual element to the things that happen in our lives. And sometimes that spiritual element works in our flesh, through our flesh, weakness of the flesh, hungers, desires of the nature of the old man and the old woman. And so secondly, in another week, we looked at it physically. Jesus was hungry, hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And we're not told, but maybe his body, I don't know, and I don't want to read into Scripture, but if a body hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, that body nearly dies, or many have died even before that. It breaks down. Think about it. The, the organs, and there's people in here who are from the medical profession, and I'm not going to try to tell my granny how to suck eggs this morning. But what it does is it breaks the body down. It puts the organs under pressure. Jesus was a man. And he went through everything that he may say, I've been through what you've been through. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. I wish we could say that this morning. So you have to think of it that Jesus now physically, not only is he eternal as to his deity, but now in his humanity. So spiritually we looked at it, physically we looked at it, and this morning now we're going to look at it mentally. Mentally. So if you look at verse 3, please, for me. Verse 3. When the tempter came to him, he said, If I be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread here he comes and he says if if thou be the son of God so he starts to now trying to ply the mind of Christ starts to try and turn the mind of Christ now if you and I allow thoughts to come to lay hold on us to get a grip on us to the point where we get into that panic attack mode where we want to jump out of our own skin and run away. 
where we get that choking feeling, uh, that feeling of everything's closing in on us. You know, all of those sort of symptoms can come by simply a thought from the wrong place, from the wrong person, and even at the wrong time, our weakest of times. He says, if thou be the Son of God. He's trying to apply the mind of Christ. He's trying to turn the mind of Christ. Will you turn with me to Second Corinthians, please, chapter 10. Second Corinthians, chapter 10. That's why also when we also read about the, we'll not look at it this morning, but when we look or read about the armor of God, there's a helmet in the armor of God. Don't you know that? Why is the helmet there? A helmet is to protect the head, isn't it? It's to protect your mind. It's called the helmet of salvation. Knowing with assurance and with security of who you are in Christ. That's going to bring you through so much. The helmet of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's just read a few verses from verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we're all in a body, aren't we? I take it we all are this morning. We're all in bodies, flesh and blood, every one of us. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Notice, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now you need to underline that. You are armed with weaponry this morning. Do you hear that, Christian? You are armed with weaponry. And it's not a literal sword. And it's not a literal shield. And it's not a literal helmet. It's not a literal breastplate. It's not literal armored shoes you have. It's in the spirit. And you're armed with it. You just need to know how to put it on and wield it. And use it. And it's mighty. Through God. It's mighty through God. You know what that tells me this morning? When you and I are secured in Christ and know the word of God. And when you and I apply the word to our lives and to our hearts. You know what this tells me? That you and I are mightier than the devil. You know why? Because God lives in you. Holy Ghost, doesn't he live in you? And you and I have the armor of God, the authority of the word, the sword of the spirit. You can defeat the devil in your life. You can defeat him. He's already defeated. You just need to step into that authoritative role. Notice here, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What stronghold has you this morning? What stronghold has laid hold on you so much you're captive to it? You're panicked with it. You're fearful of it. You're driven by it. You're enslaved in it. What stronghold has got the hold of you this morning? Listen, you don't need to be there, brother. Sister, you don't need to be there. Do you know why? Because you have weapons. Take the weapons of the warfare, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Realize with the helmet of salvation on your head, as it were, who you are, a son and a daughter of God. Stop living under the privilege, under your privileges that God has set before you this morning. Oh, we're just 
poor, belligerent, belated Christians. Whoa, we're just Christians and we just have to be so so loving and kind and mamby-palmy, don't we? You're a soldier of Jesus Christ this morning. You're a soldier. Paul tells us to warfare. Put it on. Fight. Get up and fight, Christian. Get up and fight. Don't lie down under the devil. Don't allow him to hear your negativity. Don't allow him to come and then say, oh, well, that's all right, but no buts. Get up and fight. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, brother, sister, this morning. Notice what he says here. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the putting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Let's say that together, casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. You see what they are? They're lying. Lying thoughts from a lying spirit. Imaginations. An imagination is something that isn't real. Fear, F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. It's worse than what it is because you have built up in your mind of what it is. And so the battle and the warfare starts there. When all the time you have the victory in Christ. You have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice casting down imaginations. Notice on every high thing that exalteth itself. Oh, the old devil comes and he speaks to your mind and he says, I'm greater than you. You're never going to make it. It's never going to change. You're never going to do. You're never going to escape nor get out of this. You know what? You're doomed and you're done for because I have you and I'll not let you go. And it's senseless you praying anymore because your children will never be saved. Your children will never go on with God. All those things that come to our minds. And yet you look CET especially. And I think of some of you here. How many of you parents? I'm praying for my children too. But how many of you parents have prayed for your children and concerned about them and the Lord's brought them into the fold again? Oh, and you thought it's never going to happen. Lord, there's, they're still outside. Well, look, it's a high thing. It's exalting itself. Let's start and claiming them in the name of Jesus this morning. Notice this. That exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Bringing in the... Who should be the captive here? You or the lies of the devil? Think about it. Who does the Bible say should be the prisoner here? You or the lies that the devil would spin you? The lies that the devil would spin you, isn't that right? Notice what it says. And bringing into captivity every thought. Where do we bring it to? 
to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is your mind, not the devil's mind. Let the devil have his mind. He's done for. It's your mind. But the ones that he plies you with and all that raging mass of thoughts that you can't deal with, listen, let the Lord deal with them. Give it over to him. Bring it into the obedience of Christ. Now, I don't want to dwell on this, but the word here for obedience, I probably pronounce it wrong, but it's the word hupaakteo, something like that. And it comes from two words, hupo, hupo and akuo, which means, hupo means to come under, to lift up, to bolster, to hold up. And akuo means to hear. Hupo akeo, akeo, something like that. So it means that you're bringing every thought in and you're captivating your own thoughts and you're coming under what the word of God says in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not what the devil says. Stop being the victim to the devil. Do you hear that? Stop being a victim to the devil. Hold on, they say this. Ken, stop being the victim, would you, to the devil? I'm talking to myself. And when those land thoughts and disillusionments and disappointments... When all of that comes and the devil blows it up out of proportion, you're never going to be able to cope. You're never going to be able to do. And you start to loosen, as it were, the tie or undo the top button. You start to sweat it out. And you like, this, can't get out of this. I'm never going to make it. Next thing you're ready for fainting fits. And all of those things. Listen, bring it under the captivity of the word and say, Lord, I'm your child. Lord, I know you live in me. I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That I can do all things through Christ. It strengtheneth me. The devil says, oh, you know what? This will happen to you and that's going to happen to you. Listen, the Lord Jesus says, the devil is a What is he? He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the father of life. Everything the devil is, is everything your father isn't. So everything that comes to distress you, and the Lord may say, look, I'm standing back to you, you're tested, but he will tempt you, but I am not letting you go on this. Do you think the son of God in the wilderness, hungry and tired and weather-beaten, Do you think that Son of God, after being declared the Son of God with power in the River Jordan, this is my beloved. Now he's in the wilderness or the desert with the devil. And the wild beast, as Mark says in his account, do you think the Lord, his father says, I'm not with you anymore, son? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. But he was proving his son because this is what he done. He anointed him. And the spirit that anointed him brought him along that it may be tested. You see, it's no good saying, Lord, I want more of you and your anointing and it not being tested because then what is the anointing going to be used for? What is the anointing used for? You know, if you're building a, if you were to build, say, a, a car, and you're going to put it in a race, you, you have to give it test runs, don't you? 
You have to check the speed, the power, the horsepower. You have to check the torque. You have to check everything. The balance of it, the running of it. You have to check it. Make sure it's at its high performance best before you put it into the race. And it's the same with you and I. God anoints you a little at a time. He'll say, I'm going to test you on this. And if you don't do anything and pass the test with that anointing, then don't expect any more. Don't expect him to use you any more further than where he's brought you because he will only bring you as far as your anointing or your armor is being tested. Notice here he says, we're casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And when you go home, you read Romans 4. Five and verse 19, how by one man's disobedience sin entered the world, that's Adam. And the word disobedience is a similar word, but it means something completely different. It's the word paracuo, which means para alongside of a cool to hear, where God came to Adam in the garden and spoke the word into his ear. Spoke direction into his ear. He comes as the, the voice of the word of the Lord, and he speaks, this is Jesus pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Eden, speaking to Adam, and he says, of all the trees of the garden thou mayest freely eat thereof, but of the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eatest thereof, for the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Do you hear what I'm saying to you, Adam? Eat everything. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. Here's what to take. Here's what not to take. He says, now obey me. And the word parakul by one man's disobedience. Sin entered in. The word parakul means God comes alongside and speaks. I believe this morning God is speaking to hearts already, isn't he? I can tell this morning God is speaking to hearts and minds. Now, it's what you do with that. It's how you grasp hold of that. It's how you believe it and accept it and receive it. Now, walk in it. God comes alongside and he says, just use you, Jeff, for example. Jeff, this is what I've been speaking. You've been thinking this and that and the other. Now, the word of God is, this is it and this is what I'm telling you. And Jeff's going, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, okay. Yes, oh, there's that. There's what the pastor preached. There's what the Spirit said this morning. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And then we get outside and the Lord's voice isn't there anymore. You know why? Because he's given you it for you to be inside. For you to carry it. His spirit and his word within us. So parakul means failing to listen when God is speaking. Adam failed to listen to what the Lord said. But when one man's disobedience sin entered into the world, so by the obedience of one, that is the hupakul of Christ, many shall be made righteous. So that's why Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness because he heard the word of God. He knew not where he was going. He left everything behind. He stepped out in faith and he said, you said it, that settles it, so I'll believe it. See, brothers and sisters, God said it this morning, that that settled it. Now, you just go and believe it. Does that make sense now? And so we are righteous in Christ by believing the word. And here we have the Lord Jesus showing us 
mentally exactly the same. So to be led captive means we're taking the word of God. We're taking what the devil says and it's now captive, but we're living in the word. Listen, the mind is the battlefield where wars are fought and won or wars are fought and lost. I'll say it again. The mind is the battlefield where wars are fought and won or wars are fought and lost. In fact, the mind, your mind, my mind, is a battlefield where you may even settle just to write a treaty. Not be long until we are remembering the end, the end of the First World War. The 11th day, 11th month, 11th hour. And so we should, by the way. So we should. And so we will. But you know, the First World War, it wasn't that the Kaiser and Germany lost and Britain won. It was armistice. They signed a treaty. So World War II could happen then. Do you get what I'm saying? See in your mind, don't sign a treaty with the devil. Do you hear me? Do you hear the word this morning? Don't sign a treaty with the devil. Make sure he's the one who's defeated in your mind. Make sure he's defeated and it's not an armistice treaty that you've signed. So when we look at Matthew's gospel, please, chapter 4, I'm just going to do this one point this morning because I think the Lord has spoken. Notice here, verse 3, first of all, if thou be the Son of God, he's in the wilderness when that's said to him. See that? Now, if you let your eye run down to verse 6, Let's go to verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the, into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Second time, first time he's, he plies it in the wilderness when he's tired, hungry, and alone. Now we read again, he takes them to where? Takes them to church. <laughs> Imagine your doubting comes to church. Imagine the devil comes to church. You see, going to church doesn't save you, you know that, don't you? He takes them to the temple. So the first time he's in the wilderness, now he's in the temple. So even in church, you have to bring every thought into captivity. What about your brother and sister, whomever you've fallen out with? 
Are you spoken bad about? Are you hurt? You've hurt them or they've hurt you. How can she praise the Lord after what she said? Hello? Is that true? How can look at him? Imagine him breaking bread after what he done. Tell you what. What about you and me? Who we are? Imagine us being here after all we done against the Lord. See the mind, the devil starts to work the mind. Why am I not asked to do that? Why have I not been called to pray? The devil starts to play in the church. He says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, he'll, con- he'll give his angels charge concerning you. Now, I say this with the greatest respect because that is the word, and he's right. The devil's right. He'll bring the word of God to try and get you to, to aim it at another person. <laughs> but here's the thing. If thou be the son of God, the devil tries to turn it around. And it is in the scripture. He'll give us angels charge concerning thee. I'm going to be honest, and I'm glad. I believe there's angelic beings here. And I say this with respect. I'm more interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. For he died for me. That's what I'm, I'm more interested in the glory of the Father. I'm more interested in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm more interested in all, look, and as I say, I say it with the, the angelic beings with respect to them, and, and I'm glad the Lord does dispatch angels to us, and I believe that because the scriptures say it, but it's God himself that I'm here to glorify and exalt. He's the one that I want concerning me. Chapter 27, Matthew 27. And let your eye run down to verse 40. So this is Christ on the cross. And they, verse 39 says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. What does it say? If thou be the Son of God. Isn't it amazing that not only in the wilderness, and we looked at it in part one, some believe it was the devil working through the Pharisees, even in the wilderness, they came out to see him. Who is this one declared to be the son of God with power? And that may be so. I believe in, an, in, in a fallen angelic being, by the way. I just want to put that out there, known as the devil and Satan. I believe, there are people who don't agree with that, but I do. I believe that. But people believe it's working through the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the scribes that all of this happened. But in the spirit, they couldn't be bringing him in the spirit to the temple. Maybe they brought him to the temple, some say, physically to the temple. That may be so, but, but that's a study I don't want to get into. Nevertheless, we're looking spiritually at the devil here, whether working through other agents or not. Now at the cross, he hears that old devil working through them again. 
if thou be the Son of God. See, if you're really who God says you are, you know what you should do? You should come down from the cross. Do you know there's actually, whether it's around the table which represents the, the cross of Christ, or whether it's how we break bread or how often we break bread, Christians argue about it. Argue about how you break bread or how often you break bread or don't break bread. And even in that, people get so caught up with, I mean, it's nearly how many furries can dance in the head of a pin. They get so caught up with it, don't they? And the idea is here, it wasn't. Could he come down from the cross? Of course he could. He chose not to. Because if he had of you and I'd be lost. You and I would be still in our sin. So when the devil comes, he's bringing those, if I be. And I'm finishing with this thought, okay? There's two ways to look at the words, if I be. Whether it be in the wilderness, whether it be in the temple, or whether it was when he was on the cross. So it's wherever you are, at whatever stage you're in, in your life. It covers everything. From baptism of Christ to the cross of Christ. If thou be the Son of God. Ready? One. Here's the two ideas that are written here. And people say, well, which are they? I believe it can be both. My personal thoughts are they can be both. One is to put one down, and the other is to puff one up. If thou be the Son of God, putting you down. If, 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 to put you down. Or it can be to puff you up. Listen, the word if, for example, Paul says, tells us, um, if God, Romans chapter 8, if God before us, who then can be against us? Now, the word if is okay there. The translators are fine there. But the word there for if isn't maybe he is or maybe he isn't. The idea is he's writing to those who are in Christ. So what he's saying is not if but since. Okay? So he's writing it because there's those who aren't in Christ. But if God's for us, since God is for you, since God is in you, since God is for us, who then can be against us? Now, the idea here for the if is exactly the same. It's not if you're the son of God, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. There are men outside of Christ who thought, is he the son of God? Jesus asked, whom do men say that I am? And they had that chat about it in Matthew chapter 16. And they were trying to work out who he was. So they're those say, if he is or if he isn't. But the idea here is they're saying, since you are. Devil knew exactly who Christ was. Did you know that? It wasn't like, if you are. So to pull one down is to put doubt in your mind. To put doubt in the mind. And the other one is to puff one up. 
So the devil gets you either way. So the idea is, he pulls you down all the time, doesn't he? Makes you think, ah, that'll make you doubt, make you worry, make you stress, make you fear, make you anxious. I'll pull you down, make it like it's never going to happen, it's never going to work, you're never going to do. Oh, sure, you're weak all the time there. God will never use you, you're never going to be healed, you're never going to be this, that, or the other. And he pulls you down and down and down. But if he can't pull you down, you know what he does then? He puffs you up. Here. Since you're brilliant, why don't you do this on your own? Since you're elevated into position, why don't you treat people like this? Do you get the idea now? Since you're this, since you're that, you know, since you're saved and you're blood washed, why don't you declare yourself to be a mini Messiah, a little God? It's not what's happening. He's puffing up their minds. Since thou art the Son of God, why don't you command the stones to be made bread? Would not be good, Jesus? Go on. You can do it. Of course he could have. Up in the, ta- the temple, since you're the Son of God, cast yourself down because, you see, the morning sacrifice would have happened. It's about 9 a.m. our time. And he's maybe about 450 foot up over that hill and then up on the temple pinnacle. And he's standing there and they're saying, and the devil would say to him, cast yourself down. Because since you're God, sure, just show everybody. You don't need the cross. You don't need the hardship. You don't need the work. You don't need the pain. You don't need the shame. You don't need the suffering. You don't even really, really need to do anything. And he does that when you and I, since you're this, that, or the other, or since you're the pastor, or since you're a good singer, or since you're a good player, or since you're good at everything in the church, well, look here, why don't you just declare it all for yourself in front of everyone? That's what he does. He puffs you up. But we have to take heed lest we fall. Jesus could have jumped off the tabernacle or the temple pinnacle. The angels would have caught him. He could have declared himself, here I am, Messiah, because that's who he was and was and is. But he didn't. Do you know why? Because he had to go to the cross. He had to come under his father's word and will. He had to bleed and die for you and die. And he had to bear away our sin. He was our sin bearer. And to do it that way meant that the sacrifice would still be available at the temple and people would still go to hell in a handcart. That's why I did it. You're on the cross. Well, since you're the son of God, come down. You can do this. Show everybody now and everybody will believe. Can I give you my two, 10 cents worth just as I close with this? He didn't. And everybody would have believed. But here's my 10 cents worth. He didn't. You know why he didn't? Now, I'll not be dogmatic in this, but I'll tell you. You know why he didn't? Because he had to go all the way to the grave. I'm pretty dogmatic in that bit, like. And he had to take the keys of Satan. If he had to come off the cross. I'm pretty dogmatic in that bit. 
You want to know the bit I'm not dogmatic on? He didn't come down for the cross. Because he was the son of God, he could have shown himself because the elect had to believe by faith. Through the Holy Ghost that was to be coming at the day of Pentecost. Makes sense, doesn't it? So mentally, the devil's a liar. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And your father tells you, listen, son, listen, daughter, put on the helmet of salvation. Take up, yield the sword of the spirit and slay that wicked one. For you are victorious in Christ. May God bless his word to us this morning.